Thank you, girls. God bless you for that. Let's take our Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. I want to talk on uh, a portion of verse 37. You'll notice in there, the Lord Jesus, he said, um, how often, you see those words in verse 37? How often would I have gathered thy children together? And then he gives an illustration, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. And here's the, the sad finale, and ye would not. I want to speak on a subject that God wants to be close to you. Now, that's a subject that's very simple, and yet uh, I suggest to you there's a lot of mature Christians that have forgotten that. There are a lot of men and women who used to know this. I'm wondering if there's anyone here today who at one point, maybe years ago, would cry out to God and with tears say, Lord, I want to know you more. I really, really want to know you more. I want to be close to you. And then through the process of time, you got busy, things happen, and maybe that's changed. That shouldn't change. Or if it should change, it should be stronger. Lord, more than ever in my life, I want to be close to you. You see, I believe that God desires in his heart to be close to us. And I want to bring that out of Scripture and, and set that before you today. And I really want to encourage you to think seriously about this. How close do you want to be to God? How close does God want to be to you? Let's begin with prayer and then we'll, we'll proceed. Our Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before your, your majesty, your sovereignty, your love, your power and wisdom and your goodness. We thank you that this is the house of the Lord. We thank you that you're here. Our Heavenly Father, we can hardly wait to, to get to heaven and we'll be able to understand you more and worship you more and we'll leave our old sin natures behind and we won't have problems, we won't be hampered and uh, we won't stutter the way we do as when we go to prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, help us to learn a profound truth once again. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would use this in someone's life this morning. And that indeed they would, they would find in them a great desire to know you, the one true living God. And to walk with you daily and to, to learn more about you and to fellowship with you and to feel your presence and your power in their lives. Our Father, help us, we pray. We pray for those that may be watching the service online right now. Our Father, please minister to the needs of their heart. And may this message find a home in their very soul. And so bless, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I suggest to you that as humans, usually in life, there's someone we like to be close to. I like to be close to my wife. When she's not around, I kind of don't feel right. When she's around, I feel better. Things are good. You know, the home feels so much better when she's there. I think that that's true in many homes, that when mom is away, it just doesn't feel right. Oh, we got to put up with dad's cooking. Oh, no. And then mom's back. Hooray. Now, it's not always that way, but uh, it often is. Um, I think that many people 
they, uh, they enjoy looking at, being close to, or even holding a little puppy. Uh, puppies are great. Children and puppies seem to go together. But you've got to be there, parents, just to kind of make sure they don't grab the ear or poke the eye or something, because puppies don't like that. But uh, a lot of people like to snuggle a puppy. That's a nice thing. The old uh, comic strip called Peanuts with Charlie Brown, remember that? Uh, years and years ago, uh, I think it was Charlie Brown defined happiness. You know, people say that happiness means different things to different people. And Charlie Brown defined happiness as, as having a warm puppy. That's how he defined happiness. Happiness is a warm puppy. I don't know if he was thinking of Snoopy. <laughs> He's kind of a weird dog. But anyhow, uh, uh, many, many people, I think most all parents, love to uh, hold their baby. You know, when the, uh, the child is very small and uh, before it can walk, of course, you have to pick it up and carry it. But to hold the, your baby, hold your child, and to, to say, wow, this is my daughter or this is my son. There's a tremendous feeling there. Uh, and uh, it's usually very pronounced on your very first child. And uh, when in the hospital, dad is handed his very first child and he doesn't know how to hold this. And he, he puts out his hands kind of like this, like a, catching a football or something. And then uh, the baby's placed in his hands and he's all, ha, 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 sort of, and looking at it, ha, ha, what do I do now? And it doesn't take long, does it, for a dad to learn how to, to hold and snuggle and uh, a friend of mine uh, many many years ago uh, when uh, he had his first child he uh, uh, I, I, I don't know maybe the child was uh, four or five months old at the time six months old he was in a grocery store and he was waiting in line and he was waiting didn't realize it and he was bobbing back and forth like this waiting in line to, to at the checkout with his few groceries and he moves up and he's, he's kind of waiting in line like this. And the, the girl at the checkout said, you're a new father, aren't you? <laughs> he said, yes. How did you know? <laughs> but most parents like to, to hold their child and to snuggle the child. Now, as the child grows, Sometimes that changes. Now, I understand that the children grow up, you know, and you can't hold your teenager and, you know, snuggle them like you used to. I understand that. Uh, but uh, what sometimes happens, and I don't think it should happen, but it sometimes happens, is over those years, a growing distance, a gap develops between parent and child. And now that, that closeness, wanting to be close and near, isn't there anymore. And the child doesn't want to be near the parent. And honestly, the parent doesn't want to be near the child. Now, that shouldn't be. But it, it, it happens. Is it right? No, I don't think it. Is it correctable? Yes. You know, the Lord is able. In Scripture, um, John the Baptist is known as the one to turn the hearts of the fathers to the, to the sons and the, the hearts of the sons to the fathers. It's, it's sad, isn't it, when parents and children become estranged from each other, isn't it? And uh, maybe things happened, circumstances, words were spoken, things, things were done that both parties regret, but maybe they feel there's too much time gone by and uh, we'll never reconcile. Listen, that's a lie of the devil. You can reconcile. You really can. It may take time. 
It'll definitely take the power of the Lord. And you're going to have to visit with God every day, every morning, and repent before God of any wrongdoing on your part. But you know, it all, it all starts with one, doesn't it? Reconciliation begins with someone. If two people that are not reconciled do not take a step, there will be no reconciliation. But if there's some gap and one takes the first step and then brings the Lord in there, it's only a matter of time before reconciliation happens. And uh, that's the way I think that it ought to be. God's plan is for families, for churches, listen, for countries to uh, be united. Even countries? Yes, even countries. Our poor old nation of Canada is becoming more and more divided. We really are. We've got nothing in common except our differences. That's pretty much it in Canada. We're not really known for any kind of food in particular. I know we got a couple of foods been around a while, maple syrup. You know, that was here before we were, right? But uh, it's, it's not like other countries in the world. They're known for this. They're known for that. You know, we're known for differences. We're different. Our multiculturalism. Now, is there anything wrong with that? No. Heaven is going to be multicultural. I believe in a multicultural church because I think it's a, a, a good picture, a good picture of heaven. I think that we ought to get uh, as many different uh, of the 200 different nations around the world. I think we ought to get as many cultures as possible saved under the same roof because I think it's a better representation of heaven. And I think you're more able to reach other people in the city that way. My thoughts only on that. But getting back to this subject, God wants to be close to us. We need to ask ourselves this question. How close do I want to be with God? I'm not talking about the other guy. Oh, that guy needs to be close with God. Oh, the pastor, he needs to be close with God. But me? You're asking me to be close with God? That's a good question, isn't it? Did you know there are some people in the world who don't want to be close with God? And not just unsaved people. There are lots of unsaved people who don't want to be close to God. They don't want to have anything to do with God. They want to go about their own daily tasks. They want to be the captain of their own destiny. Boy, if they only knew what their destiny was. If they only knew, if they only realized that God is the creator and God did create them, they are directly responsible to Almighty God. And one day when they leave this world, they will stand and answer to Almighty God. If only they knew their eternal destiny, maybe they'd get right with God. I think that's our job, folks, is to encourage people to get right with God, to encourage people to turn their face, to point their feet toward heaven, turn their face toward the Lord Jesus. Now, in our text that we read here, verses 37, 38, 39, it's actually a prophecy against the city of Jerusalem. When God says in verse 38, he says, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. It doesn't mean desolate. For, desolate means completely forsaken is what the word means. But it doesn't mean forsaken by man. It means forsaken by God. Because Jerusalem's been around now for 3,000 years, give or take, something like that. And when the Lord Jesus was there, he was offering himself. I am the Messiah. I am here. I am your Messiah. And they rejected him, essentially saying, we will not have this man rule over us. As a nation, they made that decision. And so, verse 39, the Lord says, I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That day hasn't happened yet. It will happen during the tribulation time. Israel as a nation will be saved. It will happen. 
Maybe it'll happen near the end of the tribulation, but it will happen. Israel will be saved. And the very Savior that saved you and me is their Savior. In fact, listen to this. He is their Savior. So how did we ever get in? Boy, there's a grace of God. We're like the wild uh, olive branch that's been grafted in, you know, because uh, there is only one God. We know that. And there's only one Savior of mankind. And he came to earth and his name is Jesus. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Imagine that, that you and I can be born again into God's family. I grew up in a mainline denominational church where people came and went and they kind of didn't look at each other. They never had a nice to meet you Sunday. Never. Oh, they dropped dead before they'd ever have one of those. And uh, the minister could speak all about the church and religion, but he couldn't really speak about Jesus because he himself didn't know Jesus. And I grew up in a church like that. And they would stand and sit and kneel and sit and stand and then kneel and then stand and sit, then kneel and sit, then kneel and sit and stand and then leave, take off. And that was what I grew up with. Um, Boy, that's not God's plan for our lives. It's a family. God's family and he is a father and he wants to have relation with us as his children, his sons and daughter. Can you imagine that being a son or daughter of God almighty? You know, the world won't recognize you. They won't look and say, oh, look, there goes a son of God. They won't, they won't know that by looking at you, by being around you, they might sense something's different. Something's different. I hope that uh, people, when they come to visit our church, feel that something's different here. And the difference is the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without him, let's pack up. Let's go and find out where he is. Let's go there. If he's not here, let's go find him. So far, we found him here. The word church means the house of the Lord. God wants to be close to you. And so I I want you to just to see once more that... Verse 37, these words, How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. You ever thought about this? How often has God thought about you? How often has God thought about you and said, Boy, I wish I, I was closer with them. Boy, I wish they were closer with me. How often? Hmm? How often have you really wished that you were closer to God? And if you say, oh, plenty of times, I can guarantee you God's more. I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that those days that you totally have forgotten about God. Tomorrow's Monday. Some of you are going to work. Some of you have got the day off. You know, it's a long weekend. But some of you may work. And you're going to go to work. And you're probably going to forget about God. You're going to get in the doors of that place where you work. Or maybe Tuesday, you're going to get in the doors of the place where you work and your thoughts are going to be for this paperwork and the boss and the fellow employees and the customer and the phone ringing. And you're going to sit down to your computer terminal and you've got all these different things you've got to do. And you're going to forget all about God. Well, I can tell you, he's not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you for one moment. Even when you're asleep, you know, and you're, the bed covers are all knotted up and your arms, you know, are all in, and your mouth is hanging open. God has not forgotten about you. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. That's good to know. You've got a God that really cares about you and wants to be near you. Now, uh, you say, why does God want to be near me? To love you. Listen to this. To enjoy your company. You say, me? 
God wouldn't enjoy me. You might say, I know something about me. I'm not very faithful. I don't pray very much. Sometimes bad words come to my mind and once in a while, yeah, they come out my lips. God wouldn't want to be near me. Oh, you're wrong, my friend. He wants to be near you. Say, how do you know? For God so loved the world that he gave the very best he had, his only begotten son. And if he loved you that much, it means he wants to be near you. Now, that may be a startling revelation for someone here today. Maybe you thought that God's kind of given up on you. Maybe you thought you failed God once too often. I got news for you. He still loves you. And the Father still wants to be near you. He wants to be near you. He wants to love you. He wants to enjoy you. Listen to this. He wants to protect you. He wants to protect you from things that the devil is trying to mess you up with. He wants to protect you from that. And he can. He wants to provide for you. He wants to provide. Now, some people, I don't want God providing for me. I'll provide for myself. Thank you very much. They don't realize that God is the one who gives them life and breath in their very bodies. Oh, yeah, that job. I went home and got that job myself. You wouldn't have gotten that job if God hadn't given you favor in those eyes of the employer to hire you. You wouldn't keep that job if God didn't give you breath in your lungs to be able to get out of bed and get ready and go to work every day. You see, God is the provider. He's an invisible hand and he provides. And listen to this. He does it for the saved and he does it for the unsaved. He does it for the just and for the unjust, for the good and for the wicked. Why does God do those things for the wicked? Because of who he is. He's a loving God. If God only made the, the crops grow in the fields of the farmers that, that were saved and loved him, there wouldn't be a lot of crops grown in the world. There's a lot of wicked farmers out there. And God still gives them the blessings of the, the rain and the sun on their crops. God still looks after. You see, that's why God is different from us. If you or I were God for a day, this world's in trouble. I know it because you and I, the way we are is I like him, but I don't like him. And she's good, but I don't like her. And so I'm going to bless this one. And I'm just going to cut off this one's air supply for a while. Just to teach him a lesson. You know, that's how we would behave if we were God. And I'm so glad that none of us, boy, if I were God for a day, ooh, don't say those words. None of us would survive. No, God wants to be near us so he can teach us truth and teach us things. And God wants to be near us, listen to this, so that he can use us in his family business. His family business, God's in business. Yeah, didn't you know? God is in business. Say, so what's his business? His business is reaching the world with the gospel. And God wants to use you and I in his family business. Say, so, well, I can't reach the world with the gospel. Hey, I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. Neither can I. But he can. That's why it's his business. And he can use us in little ways to help accomplish that. Well, back in Exodus chapter 19, that's when the Israelites got their real first confrontation with God. And what happened? They were scared to death. They were absolutely terrified. They trembled. They quaked. Even Moses was coming unglued. When God met them there on Sinai and he was about to give them the law and all that, there was thunderings and lightnings and darkness and stuff like that. And the people were scared silly. 
They didn't want to be around God. They said to Moses, you talk to God and then tell us what he says. We'll listen to you, but we don't want to listen to him. Did you know there's people like that today? There are people today that don't want to hear from God. Many of them would never in their life darken the doors of a church like this. Because we talk about God here. We're not afraid to use the J word. You know what that is? It's Jesus. That's the name Jesus. You say, come on, you're pulling my leg. No, I'm not pulling your leg. I know one church anyhow, up here in Wally. They, they're afraid to use the J word. In, in their church, they won't use the name of Jesus unless they offend someone. And that person doesn't come back to their little church. Well, I have news. That's not a church. If Jesus is not at home in the church, it's not a church, right? Hey, I have a home. And if I'm not allowed in my home, guess what? It's no longer my home, right? Yeah. And this is the Lord's house. And if he's not allowed in here, this is no longer his house. The best we can be is a social club. I think that we better stick to God's plan and, and just, just be God's, God's people. You know, I love when my children were small, I'd love to play with them, get down and wrestle with them and snuggle them. And I'd love them. And listen to this. I liked it even more. Let me, let me back up a step. I love to be near my children. Now this hasn't changed. I love to be near my children, but I love it even more when they love to be near me. When they love to be near. And, you know, the older I get now, the more precious that is. And I think that's a ministry that children have to their, their parents as the parents age. I think that the, the children have a wonderful ministry to come, you know, to mom and dad and say, thank you for being my mom. Thank you for being my dad. Boy, I thank God for you. I love you so much. You know, we have Mother's Day and Father's Day in the year. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's great. <clears throat> and I think we ought to keep doing it. But if we only honor our mother one day in the year, we're making a mistake. We're missing out because God promises to honor us if we will honor her. And if we only want to honor her one day, God will keep his word and he'll only honor us one day. But hey, there's a few more in the year. Have you noticed? If you want to get God's blessing 365 days, then start honoring your parents 365 days. Say, wow, what do I buy? Gifts? No, 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 no. You honor them in your mind, in your heart. You can honor them when you see them. You pay them respect and, uh, and, and, and make their life feel full and comfortable. That's, part, that's the, kind of the idea of honoring someone. And so I, I just love it when my children want to be around me. Hey, I'll share with you something here that I read. Um, a Cleveland, Ohio physician completed some research using two groups as studies on the value and the need for human beings to touch each other. Now, he cited studies with infants who had physical contact with their mothers soon after birth. These children smiled more, cried less, and had more interaction with their mothers than group B. Another group that did not experience the touch technique. Apparently the first 12 hours of an infant's life were crucial and included contact by father as well as by mother. Very interesting, isn't it? I found also uh, a neuroscientist at Virginia University. This was a few years ago. His name's Dr. Jim Cohen, C-O-A-N. 
And he, he would scan the brains. He brought in a bunch of married ladies and their husbands. And he scanned the brains of married women who were experiencing pain. Say, so how did he know they were experiencing pain? Because he had a device to cause pain. That's, that's what scientists do, you know. And so he had, again, two groups going here. And he wanted to study this. And he had the married women experiencing pain. And he noticed very interesting changes in the brain scans. As soon, listen to this. Gentlemen, husbands, listen up. As soon as the women touched the hands of their husbands, there was an instant drop in activity in the areas of the brains that involved fear. How about that? Can anyone relate to that? Any of you uh, ladies relate anything to that? The touch of your husband's hand would lower. Now this according to research he's done and found as a neuroscientist, uh, when he would scan the brains, the uh, scan thing would show a lower uh, activity as far as the, the fear and danger and threat. The women who'd been exposed to experimental pain while they were scanned were calmer and less stressed. Now, studies on human touch are showing symptom benefits in a number of areas. Listen to this. We're talking about human touch. It can help in areas of asthma, high blood pressure, migraines, and childhood diabetes. Other research finds um, a hint that, that not only does uh, touch lower stress levels, but that it can boost immune systems and halt or slow the progress of diseases. The Touch Research Institute at the University of Miami School of Medicine says it has carried out more than 100 studies into touch and found evidence of significant effects, including faster growth in premature babies, reduced pain, decreased autoimmune disease symptoms, lowered glucose levels in children with diabetes, and improved immune systems in people with cancer. This does not mean that if you have cancer or life-threatening disease, have everyone come and touch you and you'll be healed. That's not what he's saying. But what it's saying is that there is power in human touch. And we ought to take more uh, advantage of it. Now, remember, there's limitations on this. For single men and single women, the Bible says it's not good for a man to touch a woman. It's not good for a man to go around and touch other women than his wife. It's all right for a father to, to touch his children. Obviously, we're not talking inappropriate touch, okay? A little common sense here. But we're talking about, you know, family touch, a hug. Uh, what's his name again? Leo Bascali, Bascali, I've forgotten his name, sorry. Italian name. This guy was known as Dr. Hug. And uh, he did years and years and years of research into the benefit of just a hug. And uh, he believed with all his heart that it really, really helped a lot of people. But what we're talking about here is God wanting to be in touch with you. Do you realize if this is what human touch will do, what will the touch of God do in your life? If you get close to God and he reaches and he touches you and you've got story after story in the Bible where God touched people and great things happened. How would you like to draw close to God and let him touch you? I think that's so important that we draw close to God. Uh, some years ago, there was a magazine called The Family Circle. The Family Circle magazine. How many have heard of that? Raise your hand. 
Uh, not too many, a few. Okay, the Family Circle magazine. And this was a study they did some years ago. They said the Census Bureau estimates that at least, and this is in the United States, 2 million children between the ages of 7 and 13 have to take care of themselves in hours before and after school when adults in the family cannot be at home. Now, I did a little digging around and I found that that number is now 10 million in the United States. It's estimated that there are 10 million kids that walk around with a house key around their neck and they call them latchkey kids because they have to lock up when they go to school and they're the first one home and they unlock and they go in and they have to fix themselves supper and all that. The house is empty when they leave. The house is empty when they come back. Now, eventually the family members show up, but apparently there's something like 10 million in the United States. They're called latchkey kids is what they call them. I want you to know that God is never absent. God's children uh, uh, never have to be without their heavenly father. And God does not forsake us. He is a loving father. There is no such thing as a latchkey child in God's family. Isn't that good to know? If you're looking for a heavenly father that will love you and will stay faithful to you and will never leave you nor forsake you, I sure recommend the one true and only God. We, we must move on here. We need to point out something that, that God loves you so much. He wants to be near you and he does not want you to be close to the world because the world will have a damaging effect on you, on your soul and spirit, on the way you think and the way you act. So although we're in the world, we're not to be of the world. We're not to get involved and mix ourselves with the world. We're not to find our best friends amongst the unsaved. In the book of James chapter 4, it says, Whosoever therefore will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's strong language. God really wants to be close to you. How often would I have gathered thy children together, Jesus said. In James chapter 4 verse 8, it says, Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. That's his promise. And you can take him at his word today. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You know, when the chips are down, you won't find anyone else beside the Lord who will comfort and strengthen you and will never leave you nor forsake you. Back in 1912, the world experienced the most horrific marine disaster known as what? Sinking of Titanic, right? Over 1,500 people lost their lives. That horrible early morning hour there. There was a band, a little orchestra on board. You probably all know this. And uh, when they realized that uh, they weren't going to make it, the band members got together. You know, they'd been playing some music to try and calm the passengers down. But when they realized that they themselves weren't going to make it, they started to play. What would they play? Nearer my God to thee. You see, when the chips are down, right? People often look to God. Why do we wait so long? That shouldn't be. I think that's a mistake. Now, I have to hurry here, but I, I do want to say once again, there are some people who don't want to be close to God. They want this relationship. Well, they don't want to die and go to hell. They want to be saved and go to heaven, but they don't want to be close to God. Okay, God, you can be my savior, you know, and, and save me from going to hell. 
But uh, not much more than that, okay? I mean, I'm not a lovey-dovey kind of person, and I don't want to get too close to you. you. Say, why do people do that? It's often because they're afraid of two things. One is that they're going to have to give up a sin. They have a particular sin that they like, and maybe it's some bad habit in the body. Maybe it's some place they go to. Maybe it's websites they visit on the internet. Maybe it's some kind of secret dark little closet of their life. They don't want God going in there because they, they like that sin. They've maybe grown up with that sin or they've become familiar with that sin. And they don't realize that that sin is a that that thing is pulling them down and will always pull them away from God. And that's why they can never have the full freedom with God. That's why they can't ever get a whole lot out of God because they're hanging on to some horrible sin. So that's one reason why some people don't want to be near to God. The second reason why some people don't want to be near to God is because they, they're afraid God might ask them to do something that they don't want to do. There are so many people that say, well, I, I don't want to go forward on an invitation and, and consecrate myself to God because if I do, he might ask me to become a missionary. He might ask me to go to Bible college and get full-time training and become a, something horrible like a pastor or maybe a, uh, an evangelist. Oh, I could never live a life like that. And so they don't want to draw close to God. You're missing out, my friend. You're absolutely missing out. Did you know that God doesn't call everyone to be pastors or missionaries or evangelists or full-time workers? Did you know that? God doesn't call all people to quit their job and go to Bible college and get training and then get into a full-time ministry position. God doesn't call everyone to do that. But he does call everyone to live for him. Now, if you're thinking, well, I think I could do that then what you need to do is come on the invitation and consecrate yourself to God. Oh, I don't want to do that. Why? Because he might call me to full-time ministry. Well, then you haven't, you're not living your life full-time for him. Well, 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 well just, just, just have him tell me first what he wants. And then I'll decide if I want to do it or not. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way at all. You respond. You let the Lord be the Lord in your life. You see, there's no other way to be close to God. It may be that someone is here today and maybe God has been working on your heart for some time. Maybe you felt that God is calling you to a closer walk with him. Maybe God is calling you to have daily devotions. Or maybe you're here and you're not even reading your Bible. And God is wanting you to start there and read your Bible. But you're thinking, oh, I don't have time. And I don't understand all the words. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can make up all the excuses you want. It still doesn't cut it. The Bible is God's book. And if you will get alone with God with that book, he will show you what it means. He will teach you. That's the wonderful thing. You'll have a one-on-one -on -one teacher. Oh, I'm not sure I could, I could sort of say all there is of me, Lord, because of a sin that I'm not ready to give up. Oh, that's, wow. That's the poison that sends people to hell. Number two, he might ask me to do something I'm not sure I want to do. Oh, listen, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. It's all waiting upon your decision. If you wait too long, you might be out of luck. <laughs> there was a pastor who 
pulled his car up to the gas station. And it's, a, it's one of these gas stations that had the servant, the attendant there who puts the gas in for you. Most gas stations today, you do it yourself. This one had the guy there to put the gas in the car for you. There's a big long lineup of cars. Wow, we had to wait a long time. And finally, the pastor got his car up there and the, the attendant recognized him in town. He was the pastor and he said, oh, preacher, he said, I'm so sorry. It's the long weekend. And everyone's here to gas up. And then the, the gas attendant, he rolled his eyes and he said, these people knew for weeks that the long weekend was here. But they always wait till the very last minute to come and get their gas. And the pastor said to the attendant, I have the same problem in my business. People wait to the very last minute to try and get right with God. You know what the Bible says? Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Do you know for sure, for sure, for sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven? Because if you don't know for sure, for sure, for sure, you need to fix that today. Is it even fixable? Of course it is. The very God who created you can save your soul and give you assurance so that you know and you won't be afraid of dying. Hold its horrible fear like it used to. You'll be free from that chain. But if you're here and you know the Lord is your Savior, how much do you want to be near Him? Because I guarantee you, He wants to be near you.